0: bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis.
1: And thank you for joining us today. I am excited that you're here with us again and... uh, Again, I've got a special guest in the studio with me today, a good friend of mine, uh, who I've come to respect and and appreciate. And the first time I met him and heard his story, I knew immediately I had to get him on a podcast. I'm thankful that he agreed to it. So this is my friend, David. David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So in these next three episodes, we're going to be covering religious injustices, religious persecutions, and how that religions have historically been persecuted. But the reason why I have David here is that he's here uh, in the United States for the very fact that he had to escape religious persecution because his government was uh, severely persecuting him and his family uh, simply because of their faith. And uh, David and his family belong to the Baha'i faith. And uh, as part of that, that was illegal in his homeland, and we'll get into his story in a little bit. But uh, the sad fact is, uh, historically, religions have been persecuted, uh, mostly by governments or empires. Uh, You know, you've got the very ancient times. Uh, the Hittites and Canaanites and the Egyptians and and the way that uh, what happens is empires will grab hold of a set of their gods or a set of ideologies. And then whoever does not line up with that is just out, out of luck. And and then in the Roman Empire, you know, you see the Christians especially being severely persecuted. The Jews were persecuted Although the Jews uh, sometimes tried to, pockets of Jews would try to get along with the empire, while others said, no, we can't do that. And then the Christians uh, could not go along with the ideologies of the empire. And then you've got other groups as well. And then, but sadly, in the 20th century, in the 1900s, which is where David experienced his uh, persecution from the government. Uh, Statistics show us that more people died, uh, as martyrs in the 20th century than in all the previous centuries combined. And so that was a bloody century. And of course we know now that it's going on again. Uh, we see, uh, the Al Qaeda and the Taliban, uh, putting an end to the Catholic mass, In, uh, I believe, Afghanistan, for the first time in history, the Catholic Mass is not celebrated because they have put an end to the Mass. Uh, We see now the Taliban taking back over Afghanistan. Uh, Now women have lost their rights once again that they had gained finally, and on and on it goes. But uh, David, uh, again, welcome to the show, comes from an area that historically has been known as what? What?
0: It used to be known as the, the Persian Empire.
1: Yes, and now what is it called? Just called Iran. Iran. So what we have grown up, I was born in 1972, I've always known it as Iran. <laughs> and so but you knew it as the Persian Empire. Uh and and uh, anytime it seems that oppressors take over an area, they'll change the name of that. So for example, India uh, has not always been called India. That's only a recent development. It's been called by other names historically, but the British changed it to India. As we know, the British ruled India for quite some time, but many places have had their names changed, uh, by oppressors. But, uh, but you've historically knew it as the Persian empire. So to give us an idea as we get into your story, uh, what was life like growing up in the Persian Empire?
0: Oh, when I was a very young child, um, I would say um, not a teenager yet. Uh, life was uh, really good as long as I remember. Uh, we had everything that uh, you know we could think of. The country was pretty rich, and we had all the fancy uh, technology in the country. Uh, fancy cars, uh, fashion, um, felt like a, one of the best place to
1: be at. So it sounds like modern-day Dubai. And, yeah, so from what I understand, though, that uh, in research and talking to you, that the form of government that you grew up in and was there historically was like a king and queen form of government. And then uh, the government changed. There was a revolution, and uh, the whole form of government was taken over by some extremists. So, what happened to you then?
0: Well, I was uh, 11 when that happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, all I remember was that uh, slowly, slowly. Uh, all the uh, religious minorities Mm -hmm. started to be uh, prohibited from their activities. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of uh, Jews and Christians uh, who I knew, uh, including Baha'is, they were not allowed to have their gatherings, uh, teach their faith. So that was the beginning of it.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow. And so, they began to exclude all these groups no no particular group, just religious groups that didn't line up with the ideology uh, of the new government. so uh tell us a little bit what happened with your family
0: okay. when i was uh, when I turned sixteen uh, in the middle of the night uh, one night, uh, we heard the door knock and um We had six uh, government officials breaking in with their semi-automatic weapon in their arms pointing at me and uh, what they wanted was that they wanted to uh, search the whole house so they had my whole family pushed in one corner in the living room and uh, they searched the whole house they uh, took all the religious uh, our holy books and holy pictures they put them all in a bag Put them by the door and uh, then they handed some papers to my dad asking him to you know either convert or they will confiscate their our properties and they will also take him put him in prison so my dad took a look at them and he said that you know you can take away he handed the keys to them mm-hmm. and he said that you know you can take away my properties but they cannot take away my fate
1: Wow. So your dad was strong and centered uh, in his faith. That's inspiring because none of us know what we would do in that moment. I guess you only know what you're in the moment, but, but it's not that it just randomly happens in that moment, but you made a de- your dad had made a decision long ago. <laughs> so he knew exactly what to do in that moment. So your dad's gone. And did you know where he went?
0: no they uh, when they took him they said that come to the uh, that organization that they named it order to uh, get uh, so they can have a have a visit with him so for almost 2 months we kept on going there a few times a week and we had to take the bus to go there because mm-hmm. it was in a different city and uh, they will claim that they have no clue what we are who we are talking about They don't have such a person. Oh wow! So we don't know what to do.
1: So what are you? What's going through you and your family's minds? I mean, you have no clue where your dad's at. Your mom has no clue where her husband is. What is going through your mind during that time? Um, it just
0: trying to remember, but uh, something didn't seem real, and life just was like. Is it real? Is this really happening to us? You know, we, oh, you know, I have five, we have five brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. uh, my siblings. Um, we had such a, you know, uh, fantastic life. We were comfortable and life was, you know, easy. So what is going to happen to us? I mean, without our dad being around, mm-hmm. and especially now that we don't even, they, they don't even know where he is. Wow. We don't even know if he, they have executed him already or we see alive and he's someplace that they're going to let us know Hopefully someday soon.
1: What a lost Pretty- feeling! That means you don't know if you're in a dream or reality. Wow, that would yeah. What a what a time! Now, what happened to you? Because you're what sixteen? You said. So what happened to you? Um.
0: Well, after they uh, took my dad away that night, uh, I suddenly became responsible for a life of six people in, in my family. Mm-hmm. I had to work uh, two full-time jobs so my family can survive. Um, Nothing like the dream that I used to have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in the next episode, we're going to get more into your dreams because we want to talk about this because it's a powerful moment for me and the times you've shared your story with us. But you're 16. You have to step up and be the man of the home now. And uh, when most 16-year-olds, maybe you're listening and you have a 16-year-old at home or maybe you are 16 and you're listening to this and maybe your life is to play Xbox, maybe a part-time job. But you had told me earlier in your story that you're working two full-time jobs through this period of time to try to provide for the family. I mean, the exhaustion you must have. I mean, you're dealing with Losing your dad, not knowing where he's at. You're dealing with trying to work and trying to hold up a home at 16 years old. Uh, Did you give up hope? Never. Never. Yeah. How did you keep that hope going? Because it's not like a a month before they announced it on the news that all this was about to happen. It just kind of happened. So how did you keep your hope going?
0: Well, we knew this is going to happen uh, sooner or later. So we emotionally, we prepared for it, mm-hmm. and um, we also felt that, you know, we are being persecuted and punished for um, our faith and belief, and we actually didn't feel like we were being victimized. Uh, all of us felt like, you know, we felt proud that we were chosen. You felt to be,
1: proud? Yes. Proud oh, wow. to be
0: chosen, to be part of this movement, uh, to bring... Uh, Hopefully someday it will help uh, to bring uh, more peace and unity on earth.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always been amazing. As I've studied the persecutions in history, you know, you would see Christians being fed to the lions in the Roman Colosseum. So just like we have football games, they would have games watching Christians being fed to the lions. And these Christians very bravely would just speak up with great joy. Hey, what a great this thing this is. I get to die. Or this faith, and you're you're experiencing the same thing. This this you're feeling like you're not the victim, but you're actually in a high position. <laughs> wow, what an inspiration that is! Uh, now you're 16. Uh, few years later, uh, so you're working two job, full time jobs trying to keep family together. A Few t- uh, years later, you were able to get to the United States.
0: That's right. Two years later, they released my dad from prison. And then a few months after that, I, uh, uh, should I, I um, became eligible for, uh, not eligible, but I, got, I, I was uh, deployed to military service. Okay. They actually came to our door. Uh, military uh, um, officials came to our door and uh, they were telling me that, you know, you just turned 18 and you need to go and serve your country. While I was asking that, you know, I have <laughs> okay. no rights in this country, absolutely
1: no rights. You took rights. my rights, but, you, right. want but you want okay. me to serve the country. Okay, serve the country. So, <laughs> yeah.
0: is this? Can I be also exempt from this too? Just like the way I was exempt from college and <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> work and all that. Yeah, they said no. You either um, go serve uh, in the military, or you will be behind bars for a long time. Wow. So I decided to just go with the draft.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So you did serve in the military? Yes. For some time? And then uh, I'm just, I, I'm i sorry. I'm just trying to wrap my head around all this because this seems, I don't know if I would fall apart in a situation like that because I've had far less difficulties in my life here in America and complained like a baby about my far less difficulties. And yet you're just keep going, going, going in all this. Now you're in the military. What's keeping you going now?
0: Well, what kept me going was that it seems like uh, I just have to hope that I will survive that Mm two-year service. And uh, I did, even though if I was hit by a grenade and a chemical bomb, I survived both events. And two years later, when I was done... uh, uh, you know, same story. I realized that I have no rights to go back to college. And uh, same thing with the job opportunities, nothing there. So I decided to uh, leave the country.
1: Yeah. Now, we're we're telling your story after the fact. You know how the story turns out. But at that moment, you had no clue how the story was going to turn out. You had no idea how your life was going to become. And we'll get more into that in the next episode. But you come to the United States, and uh, um, did you know the culture, the language of the United States when you came? Absolutely not. Nothing.
0: Uh, during my time, the learning English in Iran became uh, illegal. Oh. So as a teenager, I was just about to start learning English at the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they took away all those English words and English books. Oh. So when I came to the U.S., um, no, I came to the U.S. and with a lot of hope, but I only had the one set of clothing that I had on me, uh, about fifty dollars in my pocket, and I didn't speak the language. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure out how to um, survive and um, make a living. Versus, I grew up in a family that we never had, you know, never had to really mm-hmm. work for money. We
1: so you come from. From great wealth, because you had told me that your family was wealthy, and even at uh, as a teenager, you had a lot of money in your own bank account, and then now you you have $50. You probably don't even understand even what $50 means. No language. So you're, you've lost no language, no money, no job. So where do you go from there?
0: Well, the only job that I could qualify for. Was uh, washing dishes at the restaurant, which I did until uh, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I went to college during the day, hoping for better days after I learned the language and learned some other skills.
1: Man, the the, the inspiration that you bring, because you just kept going uh, forward. And uh, just kept going forward, even though life is taking you into a direction not of your choosing... Uh, but you, you chose it in a way because you just went with it instead of fighting it. And that, that's a deep inspiration. Now, uh, you, uh, can you kind of finish out the story for us? I mean, your life has turned around. You're doing fine now.
0: Going back about uh, uh, yeah, from the time
1: you're a dishwasher to to now. Oh, that's right.
0: Uh, well, after I felt comfortable with the English language, uh, I started getting a little better jobs, and then some years later, I started my own business, hmm. and I actually was able to hire a few people here and there, so it was okay.
1: Yeah, so you went from not having a job needing hired to being able to hire others. That's <laughs> that's so cool uh, that that happened. Now, you belong to the Baha'i faith, which believes in peace and unity. And as we get to the end of this episode and wrap things up, and the time does go fast in these episodes when you get into these good subjects, but why did the government... Powerful, had a military everything why are they did they feel threatened by the Baha'i faith that was so peaceful?
0: Good question, I don't think if anybody knows <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, and yet they tried to to stomp you out,
0: probably to promote their own religion mm-hmm. I would be guessing that, yeah, but who knows? yes
1: now. Uh we'll be sharing later on on the radio station's website some information to, uh, to learn more about David. The main thing is I want you to email us at the email address you'll get at the end of this episode and so that you can get in contact with David if you want, because he does speak to groups and uh, shares his story. And so if you would like to to do that, we'll show you through the email how to do that. But uh, the main thing I want to say as we wrap this up, and I want to thank you for sharing your story, first of all. My pleasure. It, it, it's inspiring. And in the next episode, we're going to actually get deeper into it. But to just say that religious persecution is real, it's not... Something that just happened in the past—it's happening right now. As we are sitting in the studio speaking, there are people right now being put to death simply because they believe the wrong thing, or at least groups believe they do. And so, uh, we need to pray for them for their protection, but we also need to to um, to to come to their aid in any way we can. Maybe there's somebody wandering around right now in your city that just escaped their country and maybe they need a place to stay or maybe they need a job or maybe they need taught English or something in some way. uh, People are really experiencing these difficulties and I want you as a listener to step up and be accountable, and to help people like David, because there's now young Davids coming into the United States, escaping persecution in their homeland, and they need you. And we'll show you in our third episode of this series how you can help them. But thank you again for joining us today. It's been a privilege, and we want to ask you to help create a just society right where you are.
0: You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com.